Amen. Amen. Chris, thank you so much. Good, good work. Hey, we've got a special treat tonight, but before I introduce him, let me say to you that coming in January will be a new series. I want you to be real vigorous about inviting your friends to be here for a new series starting in January. It's going to be a great big help. Invite them back for Sunday morning, too. We need to be a church that goes gangbusters over people, and I want us to have that kind of heart when it comes to inviting people and praying for them. Well, tonight, Charles Jones is going to be speaking to us. He spoke to us at the 4 o'clock service uh, on the Master's Marvelous Mandate from Matthew chapter 10. He's going to do it this evening. Uh, for those of you who don't know Charles, he's a member here, but he's uh, oftentimes just doesn't uh, attend at all. He's one of my uh, most uh, absent members. Now, he sends his wife and he sends his tithe, and so we're happy about that, okay? But Charles, uh, for many years, was pastor for 10 years at Mars Hill Baptist Church. They had uh, some of their best days under his ministry and leadership there. He's been doing interim since leaving there and uh, is in one in Gainesville now. Uh, his dad was a pastor in Virginia. Uh, he grew up in a, a minister's home and is also a Southwestern Seminary grad. So you all give him a Beach Haven welcome, okay? Well, the other thing, Chatty Kathy, I was told uh, that I was supposed to uh, let you all out at a quarter of. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> by like by our, our beloved pastor. So, uh, y'all are going to have to listen fast. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. And as you're going there, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the mandate that Jesus is giving to his disciples. By the way, my daddy also was a fisherman, and he said the best way to catch fish is to get in close to where the fish are, so I'm coming down here where you are tonight, okay? So uh, I haven't gone fishing, fly fishing, or other kind in a couple of years, but let's see what we can get here. But in this passage, we see Jesus, um, and by the way, I'm getting a little feedback here. Am I got something right or wrong, or y'all okay with me? Y'all good? All right, I'm getting a little reverb, I think. Um, in this passage, Jesus has taken the 12 disciples that uh, you heard about last week. He's called them. These guys have been following him now for some time, and there was a larger group, but Jesus has now whittled it down to these 12, and he is preparing to send them on a preaching mission. And their lives obviously have uh, changed in many ways uh, since they started following Jesus, and it would change even more. But now Jesus has got these 12 that he wants to begin to send out and to begin to focus on uh, a new ministry, an extension of his ministry. Uh, as I shared earlier briefly, I several years ago was down at Georgia Southern after our son had had some surgery when he was a student there. And Jim Lovell, who was the uh, commander of Apollo 13, was on the campus, gave a lecture. And if you might remember... Uh, uh, Jim Lovell, you might remember Forrest Gump, who played Jim Lovell in the movie Apollo 13. In fact, some kid watched it and said, well, the problem with Apollo 13 was Forrest Gump was their pilot, so that's no wonder they would crash. But there was the explosion, and all of a sudden, things changed. And he described in his speech, and he'd also written a book, and NASA used the term, and that is a successful failure. It was... Uh, a trip that was supposed to go to the moon, but when that oxygen uh, container blew up, everything changed. And the new objective was no longer going to the moon, but it was getting those men back safely. And so their whole mission changed, everything changed. Well, these guys have been following Jesus, 
and things were changing and was about to change some more. And Jesus wanted them to understand as they went out what they needed to do as they were to go on this preaching mission. He's giving these guys who came from all kinds of backgrounds. I mean, they were fishermen, a tax collector who worked for Rome, a zealot who was trying to overthrow Rome. All these guys, uh, I mean, pretty motley crew, and as I explained earlier also, they were all rednecks. They were from Galilee. That was a redneck part of, uh, of that part of the world. In fact, when they started on uh, the day of Pentecost preaching in other languages, they said, aren't these guys from Galilee? And what they were saying is, aren't these guys a bunch of rednecks? But they were the ones that God would use and would be in some ways the transitional pillars of the church uh, after the Holy Spirit came and as the New Testament was coming together. So as we look at this, we also see some application for us today about the journey that we are called to take with him. And the destination is often not the important thing about the journey, but it's often more rather what we do on the way. And as we go on the way, we see that as we're called to follow Jesus, we are also called on that journey to honor him by sharing him with people wherever we go. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 says, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two tunics, or sandals, or staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And into whatever village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and abide there until you go away. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, let your greeting of peace come upon it. But it, if, uh, if it is not worthy, let your greeting of peace return to you. And whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust of your feet. For truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Let's look at the journey that we have, that we are called to go on, and the instructions that Jesus gave the 12 here that still also have applications for us today. As we look at this, we see that, uh, to begin with, that he is sending them out with very specific instructions that, quite honestly, some of them really only applied to the 12 who were there that day. Uh, he sent them, and he said, you are to go, and you are to begin with the house of Israel. This is very early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, the Jews were not quite ready, probably at this point, uh, uh, to hear about this guy that's out there preaching to the Samaritans and to the Gentiles. He said, I want you to go and focus here. The other thing about this group is, is unlike the Samaritans and unlike the Gentiles, there was a sense that there was a more receptive audience for them for Jesus' ministry because they were to preach and proclaim the kingdom of heaven, which is something that the Jews understood as a messianic call. 
In fact, the book of Matthew is written primarily to Jewish uh, believers about the life of Jesus and to non-believers so that they can understand that Jesus is a fulfillment of the prophecy and he is the Messiah. And so as they would look at these things, they would go first to those who were of the house of Israel. But we also know, as uh, we look at this, that a order is given, but an order that comes later will supersede the previous order. And so we know that we have a order that has been given to us, which is the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, do we have any restrictions on who we are to go to? Zero. Um, are you sure? Okay. One of my daughters one time came home and she said, uh, uh, I said, uh, you know, notice so-and-so from your school has been visiting some of her family and uh, I might want to reach out to her. And she said, well, she sometimes is kind of creepy or something. And I looked at her and said, Laura, I said, didn't Jesus die for the creepy people too? I think the point was taken. Yes, in fact, Jesus is an equal opportunity savior. If God's got a problem, he's colorblind. Because he does not look at the color of our skin, but he does look at our heart. So we see here that, that we have a different order that supersedes this order, and that is an order that we also are to go, but we are to preach uh, the same message in a sense of a kingdom and of a Messiah, but we have the fuller message than they did because Jesus is still with them. We have the message of a Savior who, who came and died to pay our debt of sin, uh, a debt that we owe that we cannot pay. He paid for us. God sent Jesus not only to die as our Savior, but also to be resurrected, to validate everything that he said he could do, every promise he could make uh, that he made, he could take care of. Why? Because he was still around to fulfill and to take care of that promise. So we see that they were to go and to know who it was that, uh, that they were going to. But we also uh, see that this is, by the way, uh, a, not a either or, but rather a both and. You see, you and I are called to carry out the Great Commission. And real briefly, there's a way, uh, ways that we do that. We do that where we are. Uh, in your pulpit, and your pulpit may be at school. It may be the people that you work with. It may be in your neighborhood. It may be the people where you shop and you have an opportunity to build a relationship and talk to. Been chatting with a young man over the last couple of weeks while I've been doing some work. Found out that he had actually, uh, as a little boy, went to the church. I did an interim uh, until recently over in Lexington. And I've been sharing with him and his struggle. And at one point when we were talking about Jesus, and uh, what he should be doing, I said, you told me that you went to Awanas, and I know that you know from Awanas that Jesus is the only way. I mean, you build relationships where you go, but you begin where you are, but we also share in other ways. Sarepta Baptist Association. Don't get amen out of that, but we should. We are partners with the Sarepta Association to help make an impact here in this community. Then through our Giving with the Cooperative Program, we also hold hands with Georgia Baptist and Southern Baptist who are sharing the gospel here and around the world. And as we give, 
that sense, we partner with them because as you give, I mean, when you go to work, they pay you, don't they? Anybody work for free around here? Mm, okay, well, you know, maybe off the government. And I know that old prayer. I don't know how it goes for minister music, but Lord, bless our poor, humble preacher. You keep him humble, we'll keep him poor, right? Is that how it works? Okay, good. Good. You take a part of what God has entrusted to you, and when you give that, then an extension of you goes wherever you are to share the gospel. So you may not be able to go, but yes, you are able to go around the world as we hold hands not only through the cooperative program, but also through our other mission giving. So it is not either or, it's a both and. The second thing I want to tell you here, as uh, they are going, he says, uh, verse 7, and as you go, preach. By the way, uh, Southwestern Seminary, I know there's at least three of us here. Is there any more? Uh, four. Marshall also has a degree from Southwestern. Five, you have a degree? All right, we got five uh, Southwesterners. Uh, I, I, I see that hand back there. The buses will wait, yes. Um, on the corner of, of Fort Worth Hall, there's a cornerstone. That's the first building on the campus. Do you know what verse is on there? As you go, preach. Pass, fail, sorry. <laughs> it was actually right down the hall from the room I stayed in the year I was single there. As you go, preach. But here's the neat thing about this also. This is a word that is not uh, punctiliar, but rather it is an, a word that is an ongoing word. In other words, it's not about going to Jerusalem and preaching. Rather, it is as you are going. It is a continual action that we are to do. Again, it is not the destination. Often, it is what we do along the way. So it is saying, as you are going, and it's the same in uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it is as you are going, make disciples, baptizing them, evangelism, teaching them to observe all things. It is an ongoing thing that we are to do, uh, not just put our hat on certain days, but it is to be something that we are doing as we are going, wherever we're going. As they were going out, they are told that they are to share the gospel wherever they go. Now, um, a couple of years ago, I, I fell in with a pretty rough lot. Um, Jonathan's dad, and uh, Bill Bowen was uh, the one to blame for that. He invited us all over, uh, several families for dinner. But I'd been walking for several years. Uh, doctor said, uh, at a physical, he said, uh, I was 54 at the time, he said, if you start taking care of yourself, it'll pay off. So I'd been walking, and we had at the Botanical Garden for several years, and then we met uh, David, who's this distance hiker. So he started inviting, and so I gradually started into that. And uh, it was only about five years ago I did my first real distance hike. We went up to Vermont to do a section of the AT. And while we were up there, my wife went with us in order to help us slack pack. And so uh, slack packing meant that she dropped us off in the morning, and she picked us up in the afternoon, and we got to have a good meal for breakfast and one for dinner bad to sleep in. It's, it's really the way to go, if you want to know. But, uh, but we were doing, a, I guess, about a 17-mile hike that day. It's uh, one of the longer ones uh, that we were on that section. 
So late in the afternoon, we came out of the woods into this meadow. And there to the right in the distance were the White Mountains with the Presidential Range, uh, with Mount Washington there prominently uh, uh, in, in the view. And we don't have many meadows in the south, but up north, uh, the Yankees have meadows for whatever reason. They're, they're nice. And, um, but the other thing that was there to the left at the head of the meadow, looking back towards Washington over that way, was a bench. And uh, in fact, I asked your dad, who was at, at uh, 11 o'clock, or 4 o'clock rather, I said, have you ever seen any other benches on the AT? He said, no. That is the only bench, and David finished the AT this year. Only bench I'd ever seen, he said, that is the only bench that is on the whole Appalachian Trail. So there's this guy sitting on the bench. So we started talking to him. His name was uh, John Paul Parisian. He said, uh, Parisian is Portuguese for paradise. So John Paul of Paradise was sitting there on the bench enjoying the view, and we talked to him and other things. And uh, uh, as we were getting to wrap, wrap up, David will often ask people on the trail, uh, or tell them, we're Christians, uh, is there anything we can pray with you for? And, you know, we'll pray. Well, the guy said, no, I really need to get going. I don't have time and, and uh, don't want to pray. But he said, you know, last couple of days I've been talking to God as I've been on the trail. And he said, you know, I'm not a really bad person, but I know some things in my life need to change. And, you know, I need to, you know, to do better in other things. And so I looked at him and I said, so tell me, you've been asking God to help you with your life over the last couple of days. We show up and say, can we pray for you? Don't you think that maybe God sent us here? And he had this, again, cat ate the canary look on his face like, you know? So we started sharing with him and, and actually ended up sharing the gospel. He said, you know, I, I think I've done that and, and uh, told us about his religious background and other things. But we went ahead and we led him in the sinner's, uh, the sinner's prayer and uh, talked with him some more. And then we parted ways. He was going south, we were going north. So uh, you share sometimes like that in places like that and you don't know what the impact is and you have to wonder. You know, did this really take? Was this good or was whatever? So we went just maybe 50, 60 feet, literally, and I said, you know, we're on a sort of ridge here. Uh, we're about an hour out. I'm going to try to call Marsha and tell her we're about an hour out to let her know, you know, when to expect us. So I got my phone out. I was fooling, getting it off the airplane mode and everything else, and turn around, and he's coming out of the woods the other way. He said, guys, I just had to come back and tell you how good I feel about what, you know, this whole thing. He said, you know, I just feel so good and I just had to come back and thank you for sharing and telling me that. And we weren't looking for Jean Paul. He was sitting there on the bench enjoying the view. But as we were going, the opportunity was there. And there have been other opportunities. Sometimes, like a young man we met on uh, uh, Monday who finished the trail, we had had a chance to lead him to the Lord back in uh, uh, July in Maine when he was first starting. So we met him on Monday as he was finishing. Other times, we don't know. But we always need to be going. In fact, the Bible says some plants, some uh, water and tend, and others reap. Praise the Lord. The harvest is there, and we're all a part of that. God's keeping count. You and I, we just need to get out there and share. As you are going through life, share the gospel. Oh, my goodness.
My mama didn't raise me that way. My dad was a Baptist preacher. All right, real quick. The message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and I just want to say and challenge you, if there's not joy in your heart, and if you can't get excited about the fact and remember when you were saved and where God found you and how he brought you out of that, my friends, then you need to go back and revisit that because a part of what we share is out of the joy that we have of our salvation. In fact, uh, that is our strength. And uh, I found out that these folks at 4 o'clock did not learn an old song that I learned as a teenager, but it's the kind of joy we need to have. Who of you knows this song? He took my feet from the miry clay. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Put them on the rock to stay. Any of y'all know that? You know it? I'm so crestfallen. I can tell the nations about this. I can tell the nations I'm blessed. Tell them that Jesus made me whole and brought joy, joy to my soul. I hope you've got that joy because sharing the gospel comes much better when it comes out of the joy that is way down in your soul. The other thing that I, uh, as we look at this, uh, is that there was an understanding of a support system. Jesus said uh, that you were to do certain things but he also said you're not to take anything with you and to expect anything in return. When we share the gospel and we go out, it's not with an open hand uh, to get something. Um, we are there uh, to give a hand, not to necessarily expect something in return. And so he said, don't acquire these things uh, for you to take with you or don't acquire them when you're out there. And he said the worker is labor, uh, a laborer is worthy of us his support, that word literally means, uh, refers to nourishment. He said, when you go out there, here's the, the big principle is this. Jesus is saying, when you're going out here to do this, take me with you. Don't you, don't you take extra money for your uh, journey. Don't take an extra staff. Don't take, take an extra cloak. Uh, you take me and you've got everything you need. And my friends, I hope you know that if you've got Jesus Christ, you've got everything you need and even a little bit more. Amen. Amen. In fact, I'm going to say that again. I thought we'd do better in this on Sunday. If you've got Jesus Christ with you, you have got everything you need and even a bit more. This is what Jesus is saying. Take me with you. Now, when the Holy Spirit would also come in Acts chapter 8, they understood even better because Jesus said, I will leave the uh, comforter, the paraclete, will come alongside of you and comfort you. And he said, basically, you will be better off then than you are even when I'm with you. And you shall be my witnesses. We are to take that and realize that we have to depend on him. And if we've got him, we've got everything we need and even a bit more. Then the final thing talks about hospitality. Don't worry about where you're going to stay either. He said, I'm going to open up the right doors. If there's peace comes, when you put peace upon the house, if it comes back uh, to you, you know it's a place to stay. If not, but find that worthy place and you will find the hospitality. Uh, Sharon, I'll try to real brief. Uh, Asa Chandler, uh, born in 1808, uh, was born up here in Franklin County, uh, was saved at age 14, 
uh, baptized, called to preach at age 18. Age 21, became the pastor of uh, Vans Creek Baptist Church, which was one of the flagship churches at that time. Uh, very little education. They hired uh, Willie Jones uh, as a tutor to teach him. And they said at the end of the year, he had a superb English education, and, but he was deficient in the dead languages. But you know, this man loved Jesus, and he became uh, not only a bivocational pastor, he was an itinerant preacher and missionary, uh, but he always was sharing Jesus. In fact, Willie Jones, I didn't tell him earlier, uh, the teacher became the one that was taught because he, taught, uh, he, sh he shared Jesus with his teacher and led him to the Lord in that year, and he became his pastor. But he would go on these missionary journeys. And the reason uh, I know some of the detail about him was because I spent a real cold uh, a winter afternoon up in the old depot in Elberton where they have the Historical Society for Elbert County, and I was granted access there to be able to read this manuscript that was found in the 1980s when somebody was opening up a wall doing renovation of an old house. And it was Asa Chandler's handwritten journal that he had written about his preaching tours uh, across Georgia and South Carolina. But to hasten to this, when these guys were going around at that time, when they needed a place to stay, uh, what they would do is at the end of the day, they'd just start knocking on doors and say, can you put me up? And it was expected for people to extend hospitality. So one day he started knocking on doors and he wrote about this and he, he knocked on seven doors and nobody would offer him a place to stay. And this man, by the way, uh, also was noted for being very shy. He was an introvert. Now, here's an introvert called by God to preach who's getting on, well, to begin with his feet, then later a horse, then later trains and a steamship, and going over and preaching the gospel. But you'd think somebody like that would be easily discouraged. So he started on down the road, and presently a boy came, and as I recall, was a slave, and he said, my master has sent me to get you. You're staying at our house tonight at our place tonight. He said, the rest of these people around here got word that you were coming and you're a missionary and they're all anti-missionary and they will not let you in their house. And I thought, how sad that those folks would turn away a preacher of the gospel because they didn't believe that people should share the gospel. They had taken uh, an aspect of Calvinism to the point that they believed and some of them said that if the people in Burma, God wanted them saved, he didn't need a missionary to do it. And that's a shame. But you know, Asa did not give up. He remained true to his call. And even as an elderly man, when he could barely get around, literally his feet were swollen. I, I don't know, I didn't ask uh, our doctor at the last hour, but there was something that happened. They would put him in a wagon, take him places, and he'd sit in his chair and preach. And he was a good man. In fact, that was the verse at his, uh, at his funeral that they used for his epitaph. He was a good man. He was a godly man. Now, you and I have been called. We also need to realize that we have different marching orders than what we would have thought when we began our journey. Just like the moonshot, they had to find another way to accomplish what they needed to accomplish. And sometimes our trajectory and the rules change. And Jesus has said, here's your new rules if you're going to follow me. When you go, preach the kingdom. 
Go, now we know to all the world. As we go, uh, uh, take that message of hope and don't go expecting something in return. As you go, take me with you and you got everything you need and a little bit more. And when that happens, my friends, then when we're gone, also may the people look at our life and testimony and the journey that we had along the way and say there was a good man, there was a good faithful woman who loved the Lord and who served them. Father, we do thank you for uh, blessing us with this passage of Scripture. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we'll take it to heart and that, Lord, we'll take it to heart so that uh, even on the way home...